Welcome to another episode of the Wrist Cheese Radio Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Schmidt, and I'm joined, as always, by my good buddy. You guys know him. You love him. Mr. Rodinky. Hey, buddy. How's it going? Episode 43. Schmidt, he made it to 43. Cruising along. What's going on there, big guy? You know, not a whole lot. Uh, took some time off this week uh, to spend some time with my family. Uh, some of my wife's uh, uh, friend and family came in basically to spend the week with us so that was nice and uh did some cool stuff with the kiddos and uh it's been a great week how about yourself mostly working uh potty trained my oldest kid finally that was fun okay so little milestones there <laughs> hey man it's the small victories right it the is it really is and i could just i could tell the little guy's not far behind he's all he's all about it he wanted to get on the potty before the big kid but you know yeah i i I can I can say honestly that my, we had my daughter pretty good to go, and then all of a sudden she just regressed, like just has no desire to do it. Uh, I I don't know, man. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Maybe uh, maybe when number two finally comes along, there'll be the impetus push to to get to, yeah uh, to for get sure. on the potty. It, so I, I'm hoping me, that's the case. It's a very different world when when the second <laughs> one shows up. <laughs> I can imagine. I can yeah. imagine. Uh, I think. Before we start anything with this episode, uh, first and foremost, uh, I think we have to say a goodbye to our good friends over at 10 and 2. I think that's kind of the big news of this week. Something yeah. I feel like we all sort of knew was coming, but we don't want to believe it, right? It's like when you knew you were going to get dumped by the girl and you're like, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. It's fine. It's not going to, it's, it's going to, it'll work itself out. And then you're like, oh, death blow. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I think we all kind of, Thought it might be coming, and it finally did. But uh, you know, we'll definitely miss you too, Cat and Cat. Uh, good friends of I think both of ours. So uh, you know, thanks for all the good times and and putting out some fire content and kind of keeping us occupied over the pandemic for sure, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, this is uh, you know, I've I've known Catlin uh, personally for a long time. She and I are are personal friends, and uh, she's a good person, and uh, I know Cat is as well. So. Uh, I wish them the very best of luck in their next chapters, re- regardless of whatever they're whatever they're doing uh, in their own respective careers. We we know what they're doing, but I'm not going to put it on blast for everybody. But uh, I wish them the best of luck, you know. And uh, I'll just say this: heroes get remembered, but legends never die, right? <laughs> <laughs> so great podcast. I'm sad to see it go, but uh, very very happy for 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 our two friends uh, going on to bigger and better things. So, yeah, great to see go. what they've done with it. I mean, it was a, it was a great springboard platform type thing for both of them, and uh, you know, can't really say enough about them. I mean, they they did everybody kind of a, a solid through a pretty weird and dull two years. So, ladies, thanks a lot. It's been a pleasure, and uh, best of luck to both of you. On to the next, uh, I guess we'll go on to a couple new releases. There was a few things, nothing too crazy. I know you had sent me that new Timex Mark One. It's with yep. a company called Adsum. I'm not sure what they are. They appear to be a fashion brand from New York. Yeah, I, I think it's probably one of these new kind of pop-up ad ad brands. Um, you know, who, who knows exactly who it is? I'm sure somebody does that may be listening to this and has done more research on it. But I just think it's a cool watch. And uh, I do, I do love their their marketing campaign. I don't know if you saw the billboard that was posted uh, in the city advertising this watch. Was it just the watch on a white background? It was just a watch on the white background, but at the very bottom it says a way for you to tell the time without noticing you have twelve hundred missed emails. Oh, that's cute. I like that. And Screw was, you, Apple yeah, Watch. I was like, I was like, <laughs> okay. I mean, 
this to me is just kind of like it's a classic watch to return to a simple timekeeping. It's no frills, nothing. It's quartz, nothing crazy. But it's just highlighting the fact that, hey, this is a watch for like watch people. It's not like a, a gadget or a gizmo or connected. Like it's just a watch. And I think that that was kind of cool. And it really kind of makes me want to buy one because, you know, again, you don't need to you don't need to lean away from from what you're doing. Lean into it embrace the fact that you have a quartz little military watch i think it's cool don't be afraid of it yeah and i've spoken a lot of times about how that sort of simplicity is something that draws me in which actually ties into our topic pretty well but it's a pretty sweet little watch it's got that little field aesthetic to it it has that i think it's blue loom right I can't tell you if know, it's blue. I, I don't want to lie. I don't know. I don't know. Obviously, we can't tell by not, you know, we're not holding it. But it, it looks a lot like the the new Seiko lines it dropped with, with the blue yeah. loom on it. Yeah. It's yeah. got the same look. Black background. Blue numbers. Sweet little it, watch. I don't think you yeah, and it's, and it's It's a Timex. It, it'll be priced right. Yeah, it's a sterile dial. If, I, if my memory serves me correctly, it's, you know, just a good looking collab. And again, it's no frills. It's just a watch designed to be just a watch. And that's it. And I and I like that. I think it's very cool. Adsum is a, is a cool collaboration with whoever it is. I'm assuming it's a fashion house or something. Um, 36 mil. It's 140 bucks. Comes with two straps and a little box. They're already sold out on the Timex website, apparently. Uh, so I don't know if it's still. Um... So you could pay 300 on StockX. <laughs> okay. All right. There you go. <laughs> I'm kidding, yeah, so, but you probably can't. <laughs> know the time without seeing you have 1,249 unanswered emails. Staying present just got a little easier. And on the back, it's a nice reminder to all of us watch fam. They're so connected to technology. Sometimes it's great to, to disconnect. And it says on the back, I am present. I like it. I like it a lot. And I also, I own their other, their 36 millimeter hand wind Mark one. Great little watch. I have it in the olive kind of drab color like it a lot no complaints at all runs like a champ so you know don't be above timex don't be that don't be that person gotcha gotcha there you go other new releases uh, a couple seikos that are non-us release so yeah. somebody had mentioned if we could i guess read the uh, reference numbers a little slower. I, I, I think people like to try to keep up as the episodes go. So I'll try to do that a little more. Either For sure. Repeat them or yeah, I saw slower. that comment. So I appreciate the the feedback. We'll, yeah, we'll, no, we'll I, echo it accordingly. Yeah, we don't take offense to that type of stuff. Uh, we're not professional radio people. So <laughs> really appreciate it. <laughs> Wait, you're not? I thought we were. <laughs> no, I'm just a meme jerk. <laughs> oh, man. So the SRPJ53, it is a turtle. That is quote unquote eucalyptus. Yep. Thousand piece limited edition. Nice to see them doing actual limited editions, right? Thousand piece. That's yeah, that's pretty that's pretty but it's it's a it's an Australian only (laughs) LE, right? Okay. So green motif, kind of like a muted green, faded green with yellow hands. Pretty decent. Uh, nothing I'm rushing out to get, but nice. Yeah. And I think I think this one is a Fume dial, if I'm not mistaken. So it has the 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 gradiated finish goes from lighter in the center outward to darker on the periphery, which is nice. Uh, my only thing on this one personally is I just don't like the fact that the bezel and the dial are basically two different shades of green. 
Um, that to me is just kind of a little off-putting, but it's a cool turtle. Yeah, I was I like wonder. It. I was wondering about that too because having owned enough Seikos and having plenty of experience in misjudging renderings, I don't yeah. know if it has that fume dial and then the bezel is aluminum, so it's just a different. It's got that shiny finish to it, so it's just a a weird thing to photograph. Yeah, so I, I'm not sure. But, I would like. I like to see it in person. I, I'm but looking, a thousand pieces. I, I, I probably won't. Well, I'm looking at some live shots that are on the internet right now. Um, there's a couple of people that that posted this article and this this one website's called Boss Hunting. Uh, it's it's based in AU, uh, so it's an Australian blog, but uh, it has pic- depictions of both, and it looks like the bezel itself is more like an olive, like okay. army or olive drab color, uh, more of an army green, whereas the dial has some more like forest green elements to it. Um, so I mean, it, it it's it's good looking. It's just for me, I see the bezel and I see the dial, and it's those are two different colors, so it's throwing me off. Understandable. Mm-hmm. Second one from them, and I think this is also an Aussie release. Is yes. the SPB three forty seven Nusa J? Yeah, there's a J, J there though. Is it okay? Yeah, and it's named after a beach, apparently a very big tourist location, one of the nicest beaches in the world. Also a thousand piece LE, and it's I think it's a sumo. And it's got sort of a Batman coloration, blue, yep. black, and I think it has yellow accents. So yellow hands. Yep. But again, I think I could probably take it or leave it. And at a thousand piece, I'm probably not going to chase one down, but I'm sure it's for somebody. Yeah. I mean, you know, our Aussie friends across the pond, on the other side of the world, I think this is, a, this is a smart looking watch. It is a sumo for sure. Um, as you were, as you mentioned, yellow, it has a yellow minute hand and a yellow tipped yeah. Uh, Seiko diving secondhand. Um, the rest of everything is going to be in silver tone. It does have a little bit of a Batman-y finish, yep. but it's only on the first uh, 20 minutes on the diving scale. So it's black, and then the rest of the bezel will be blue. Looks like it's aluminum. Uh, and this one has a little bit of the uh, the James Cameron-y style dial to it. Um, it does have a inverted color scheme, though. Yeah, It goes from black and fades downward to blue on the bottom half of the dial. So it looks good. I mean, the colors on this one are congruent. So, you know, visually, the dial and the bezel, they make sense. They look nice. If it was me, um, I would take this one over the other one. I think it looks a little bit more clean. Um, but, I mean, again, classic Seiko LEs, they look nice. I think they're going to be great for anybody who decides to pick these up. These are workhorse watches. So, um, very cool. And they haven't given you many of this Batman colorway before there is one other turtle that is Batman colored. I want to say SPB. No SRP. I want to say like 287 or something. Anyway, it's a Batman colored turtle. And then there's like the Seiko prospects LX GMT, which is like five grand, which yeah. <laughs> I don't think anybody's picking up in their right mind. So it's something that you don't usually get. And maybe you get it in this package if that's what you're into. Yeah. Yeah. I think last up, is probably one of the most absurd branding efforts I've ever seen. This is, I think, a quadruple branded watch. Yeah, this is, a, at, this is a this is a bit of something, that's for sure. If I understand correctly, I think I'm looking at Bamford, Ruff, okay. whatever that is, RUF, yeah, high snobiety, yep, and Tag Hoyer, Carrera. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which we, a, both, we both expressed our lot. 
adoration for the Carrera last week, but this is a Carrera bicompacts. It's green. It's got yellow accents. I don't think I'm running out to get this one. It's, just, it's a very, yeah, no. very interesting uh, execution, I guess I'll say. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's 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 a pass. Um, this is a this is a non-starter for me. Um, you know, there's people in the automotive world. I think RUF is an automotive uh, um, entity or some type of company that does customization for for um, different types of sports cars, which is cool. Um, but you know, this is just a lot of different things coming together that probably don't need to. <laughs> Or at least not in the same capacity, um, but you know there it is. It's a it's a cool watch. You know, there's I'm sure RUF collectors that are that are buying these these cars um, because basically it looks like they're doing upgraded versions of of, of previous existing 911s. Um, it looks like they're based in Germany, so these this is basically an automotive customizer for for high end Porsches. Um, so makes sense to have that tie in uh with it but you know it is a little bit yeah it's a little bit interesting though because isn't uh um isn't tech affiliate with aston or has that changed now you got me i'm gonna be honest but you would have a connection there between Uh, carrera they did they did now now of course it's yeah it's now it's now it is porsche that's right i forgot they did make that change within the last year or so um so yes that's right because they had the they had the specialty carreras that are porsche um versions so there's that but um this is a customizer of that so it's kind of an interesting watch uh it doesn't look like the other um carreras out there that are porsche watches which is cool i guess but uh not uh, not a watch for me unfortunately and speaking of carrera since we're on it I think two episodes ago we talked about not only the red Carrera, but the fact when you were talking about how you flip the, when you flip your wrist around, the the Hoyer is right side up to somebody yep. looking at you. Somebody actually tagged me, friend of the show, Steve Elliott. Shouts to Steve. He actually lives a town over from me. Interesting, you know. But uh, <laughs> so <laughs> nice. he, he tagged me in a reel of somebody doing a wrist roll, and it was that watch, and it had the upside down Hoyer on it, and then he flipped it over, and it was the, it was the red Carrera. <laughs> So pretty cool there, but it just drives me nuts. Yeah, but let me just tell you that red looks so good. Now that it was like perfectly it dynamic, because it it, it, does. It, it picked up the light from the reel, but it was, it looks so so good, unlike very few dials I've ever seen. So maybe they're, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. I mean, in it's the, uh, the right direction, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Did you, uh, as a side note, did you watch Gray Man? I did not. Okay. I was I was just curious. I mean, we haven't talked about it, but I was just curious if you had. It's good. I liked it. You know which film I'm talking about, right? Yeah, the one with the guys. Yeah, I, one with the I guys, don't. Yeah, I don't know what it's about or what's going on in it, but I saw enough of the premiere photos. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of like a spy action thriller. It's a little bit kind of James Bondy, if you will, but it's more. Um, Less discreet espionage and more like everything explodes, kind of like a Michael Bay film, like the you know just Transformers, just things are exploding everywhere. But it was entertaining. I'm it's not gonna say like it's a blockbuster smash, but it's entertaining the way that like Transformers is entertaining. You know, it's like you see things blow up. There's like giant metal robots, you know, battling each other. It's like world domination type stuff. 
Um, it's it's good. I liked it. I thought it was the the day man, and that Charlie Day was going to make an appearance, but <laughs> no. But it's got a good cast. Uh, Ryan Gosling, Anna De Armas, um, got some other uh, Chris Evans, the guy that plays. Uh, oh, Captain America, yeah, yeah, Captain America. He's in. He's actually the bad guy, which is kind of funny. It's a it's a one eighty flip for him, but it's it's kind of cool to see him in a bad role. Yeah, Billy Bob Thornton's in it. It's uh, it's good. I was once told that if somebody was going to cast me in a movie, they would cast Chris Evans. So there's that. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not a bad cast. I like that. That's not a, that's not a bad one. Uh, before we get into our main topic here, uh, just a little bit of housekeeping. In case nobody's been on Instagram lately, we did restock our pink straps for real men wear pink strap habit came through big time he now has 18 19 20 21 and 22 millimeter straps hell yeah with both black and silver buckles so go out and get those i know he's told me a bunch of people brought him the first day and he's got (laughs) a little under 200 left so if you want one go get one he's got varying quantities and different sizes so yeah get one don't wait don't wait don't wait i Believe it or not, people were waiting to get them. I couldn't believe it. But yeah, uh, big yeah. ups to everybody who got one. Big ups to everybody who shares them and all the reposts and everything. It's it's greatly appreciated. I think he sold fifty eight the first day, so that's wow. great. I think that I think it's another fifteen hundred bucks to the cause, which should stick me somewhere up around seven grand, which is really really nice. So, shouts to everybody who helped out in any way possible. Greatly appreciated. Last item of business, as I chase the 30,000. You're so close, so close. Yeah, can't lie. Had a big week. Had a, had a solid week of, of memeing. The, uh, the, the meme farm was plentiful this week. Uh, I don't know. Got a, a lot of good exposure. So I hopped up quickly, and now I think I'm somewhere at 29,700. And uh, yeah, I'm just chugging along down to the the home stretch. There, I have the I have a giveaway prize in the mail. Ooh, yeah, not, nothing too crazy, but I'll, I'll tell you, it, it is a it is a timepiece, so that's cool. Fantastic. Don't want to spoil it yet, but it's not a Seiko GMT, is it? GMT, no. Oh, wouldn't that be <laughs> wonderful? Yeah, <laughs> it's not, but it is a, it is a cool little little watch though. So keep an eye out for that, and uh, thank you everybody for the. Shares, follows, comments, trolls, whatever you might be doing. Uh, thanks for the engagement. Greatly appreciated. To our topic for this evening, uh, I guess from the past few weeks of just talking about all different watches and picking and choosing ones, I was I got to thinking about what exactly attracts myself or other people even to watches in general. And I sort of just started listing different criteria, I guess, as to what brings us to a watch that we're eventually going to buy or one that we aspire to own or one that we call our grail, right? I mean, I think everybody has a grail that they can't attain somewhere down the line. Like you, you're never going to try it on. Probably you're never going to get to hold it or play around with it. How do you know it's your grail? Well, there's certain things that have got you there 
And I try to, I guess I tried to decipher what exactly that was. Right. So in coming up with the idea for this episode, I, I guess I dubbed it the, the laws of attraction, but for a timepiece. Okay. So all right. I, all I right. Just, I just banged out, like I said, I banged out a big list of different things and a bunch of different things that I want to talk about and maybe dwell into here. I think the most obvious thing, first and foremost, as with anything, is looks, right? Now, first and foremost, has to you be. have to be. You has to, to be, be. Has to be. Absolutely. You have to be visually stimulated by this, whether it's yeah. watches, cars, whatever you want. Like, you have to be drawn to it from a design aspect, from a, whether it be the color scheme or the layout. Something has to grab your eye. It, yeah. I think it's very hard to be drawn to to something that you're not you know appeased by visually of course right and so whether it's you know choosing somebody to date choosing a watch choosing like i said your next ride i don't know what it might be it there has to be something there right yeah and that's and that's what it is And and i've explained this to a lot of people especially that are getting into the hobby for the first time you know it's like a relationship before you walk across the bar to talk to somebody, be it a guy or girl, whatever, usually there's a visual element to why you want to go over there and talk to them. It's an attractiveness. It's a it's a look. It's a smile. It's the eyes. Whatever it is, there's some aspect about them that is intriguing you enough to open a conversation. And the same thing is true with watches. You have to look and like what you see before you're ever going to be willing to try it on. Yeah, and I think that's something interesting thanks to all the exposures the internet gives you is that you scrolling down your feed or poking around in different sites, sometimes you cross, come across a watch you've never seen before. Yeah. And before you can look at anything else, you, you kind of just say, oh, I like this layout. And then you look and it's like a, a like a vincero or something and you're like oh, 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 oh. i mean don't get me wrong a lot of them are homages and yeah for sure. designs from other people so understandable you'd be drawn to it but you were like whoa whoa okay hold on a sec but for yeah. a second there you were like oh that that i kind of vibed with that yeah absolutely absolutely i mean again and you said it right i mean the, a lot of their designs are homages to other brands that are more successful or more established they riff but they can't copy in many ways you know but those designs are good looking. That's why they're utilizing them. It's just when you start peeling back the layers of veneer and you're like, oh, it's cords. It's made by a fashion brand. There's nothing impressive in this movement. But somehow you can cut out the middleman and save yourself a bunch of money on the marketing. Um, you can do that. You know, These watches are just, they look good, but they're not going to be awesome for you. And I think that's something that is sort of a stepping stone to get to becoming that watch idiot savant that everybody talks about, right? Is that yeah? you don't know what's good at first. I mean, I will openly admit that obviously you start on Amazon, right? And what does Amazon hit you in the face with when you start looking at watches, Invictas? Everything. 
but yes, right. Sterling, yes. Invicta. <laughs> right, exactly. There's a lot of brands that out can. there now, but it used to be just Invicta. So I'm looking around and and I'm like, all right, I mean, these aren't badly priced. I don't know what I don't know what expensive or cheap for a watch is, right? I don't know. Is yeah. 200 bucks expensive? Is 500 bucks expensive? Is a thousand expensive? Is that? And it, I think that every everything you you get into as a person has that sort of limit of. Once you go past this price, the value prop sucks. Like, you know, they'll say buying an expensive set of golf clubs isn't going to make you a better golfer. Right. It'll make you maybe marginally better. It'll maybe get you some more forgiving shots or something, but it's not going to make you good. Yeah. You know, like you might as well just buy a decent set and work on your game type of thing. Right. 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 So, hey. that's not how this works. So if I buy the more expensive driver, somehow it'll improve my drive game. Right. Okay? My distance is going to go massive. <laughs> but, it's all about the gains. Okay? You know, it's all about the gains. But that's something I was trying to figure out when I was looking at watches was, I don't know if, okay, if I go past 500, am I just after that, I'm a sucker and it's only marginally better or what? Yeah. You know, and then you, you start delving into the actual different craftsmanships and precisions that go into these things and you're like holy crap like there are way too many layers to this yeah and that's honestly where you start to see you start to see the pack start to thin out a bit is you know let's be honest everything around the 500 price point a lot of the stuff is going to be very similar movements they're going to be you know miyota 9015s are going to be 8520s or whatever you know whatever that caliber is that they that they utilize a lot they're going to be Seiko NH35As. You know, it's going to be a lot of the same similar specs. The only thing that you're getting that's going to be different is the materials and the aesthetic of the actual piece. Yeah. But the technology is going to be relatively the same. 200 meter, 300 meter water resistance, rubber band, you know, dive watch, bezel, you know, it, it it's all the same. Right? In some cases it literally is the same because it's coming from the same suppliers that just change the the aesthetics, right? But once you start moving up to that more expensive threshold, you start climbing, you know, sub a thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand, three thousand. That's when you start to see where finishing and technology and tolerances really start to come into play. And in anywhere a little bit above that, that's when you start to see things like material sciences working together to create a better watch, not only in how it runs, but also in how it will look and last the test of time. All of that plays a big factor. So no, I don't really think that you know buying something above five hundred dollars is like somehow you got the you got scammed. It's just there is a there is a level of diminishing return. And I think for me personally, as a watch collector, if we're talking about this, uh, it's anything above fifteen thousand. I really don't think anything above that price point you're really getting that's giving you a better watch. It might be more expensive in the materials. It might be, you know, you know, bust down. It might be more rare, it, whatever. That's fine. But how the watch wears, how it functions, the technology inside it that makes it go, those things are basically at that price underneath that. They're all the same, really and truly. Anything above that is you're going to get more into the artistry of what makes the timepiece the timepiece. And that's the difference. Yeah, well, actually, I, I once had somebody who, who works for 
I think a decently prominent source now, but tell me that uh, they felt that nothing interesting happened between three and ten thousand dollars in watches. And I was like, I'm not gonna that's lie a to you. Statement. I was like, I'm pretty sure it's the exact opposite. I'm pretty sure that's where everything's happening. Cause like, like you said, once you go above that ten, fifteen thousand dollar range, you're only getting marginally better. Right. Yeah. You're only getting extra intricate on the design end. You're only getting super fine tuning. But like how much more fine can you get than like master chronometer than but 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 that's my point, right? I mean, even fine tuning is is you know, if you look at something it's, like it's an Omega. Relative. I mean, but yeah, it's it's true. Let's 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 say something like a Tudor and Omega, right? That three thousand to let's call it eight thousand dollar price point, sure. right? Both master chronometer watches, whatever. In terms of functionality, in terms of a magnetic resistance, there are not a single watch brand on the planet that can deliver what those two brands can deliver with their watch movements, with regards to magnetic protection. Period. It's just not possible if it was they'd be master chronometers and they're not now when you start looking at brands like paddock elong and sona uh um acrivia any of these other independents you know hierology type pieces and there's there's countless others right uh debethune you know there's so many that you can name what you're getting is not technologically superior movements a lot of these movements are heavily hand finished which means they have looser tolerances than that something that was designed by an engineer on a CNC machine, okay, to thousands of a micron. These are a lot of movements that are being hand-worked and hand-finished, which aesthetically is more beautiful because there's a human element involved into it. But technically and functionally, it's less as reliable or less in terms of longevity or performance of that watch because there's an, a human element into it human eyes cannot perceive or machine or create something as delicately or as fine to a higher tolerance than something like a machine that's just a, a proven fact sure so although these watches are artistically superior and how they're created there's much more human involvement into the process of creating these things technologically they're they're inferior if that makes sense. If I took a Debethune, as cool as that blue titanium case is, and I stuck a magnet to it, it's going to stop. <laughs> it's just not going to work. The same thing for a paddock or for anything else. It wouldn't matter. But when you flip that watch over and you see the intricateness of the case design and how it tells the time and the movement itself, that for the owner is a justification for the additional money. 15, 20, 30,000, whatever it might be for that respective watch. That's where you're getting the, 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 the diminishing return. Yes, you're paying for the artistry, which makes sense, but you're not getting a much more technologically superior watch. Does that, does that, does that make sense to Bro, you? I'll, I'll lay this down to you in the most layman's terms possible, right? You make pasta by hand, no chance on earth they're all coming out beautiful and consistently. And exactly the same. Exactly the same. You get the one out of the box, it's perfect every time. Yep. Is it, are you paying more for hand made? Absolutely. Absolutely. Is it more artisan? Is it more beautiful? Does it, I don't want to say taste better, but in it the does mind, marginally taste, taste better. It does I'm marginally saying, taste it, better. Yeah, it does. You know, sure. But is the 75 cent box of pasta consistent and 
almost as good. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a great way to. And again, that going was the back first to your, thing that stuck in there. Going back to your grandpa, just stirring the pot of pasta. Yep. You know, getting shot at, stirring <laughs> the pot of pasta. Can't let the macaroni stick. Can't can't let the macaroni stick. My mother was through the roof, by the way, that I uh, I mentioned that on the pod. <laughs> well, now we've mentioned that it was her twice. Dad. Yeah. <laughs> um. Wow, that was uh, only our my first bullet point there, so I guess that's pretty great. Uh, but <laughs> moving on to the second, I think I think easily the second behind aesthetics for a lot of people, maybe even the first for a lot of people, is brand cachet and public opinion. Okay, yeah, that's a big obviously, one for sure. Obviously, I think a lot of people who buy luxury goods buy things for the name, for notoriety, what comes along with that, for the response from other people. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. Not to say that that's necessarily a wrong reason to get something. I mean, if that's what you do, if you're bougie and you want to show out, more power to you. I don't always know if that makes someone happy on the inside at the end of the day. Yeah. Right? Like, I think there have been times in my own journey where I, not that I've bought a piece or a brand because of the name, but I might have gone with where I've had a choice of different models and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to go with this one. Like this one seems to be like, maybe that's the hotness for this year or the season. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to go with this. You know, why not? I mean, that's, that seems to be what everybody's talking about. It, let yeah. me see what the hype's about. And I get it. And I'm like, damn, I really should have just went with the other one. <laughs> like that's actually me. And I know it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, that's, that's, that's always something that gets, that gets me in that regard. And I think everybody knows the name and here here's an example of that is I, I was actually out to to dinner with it's my wife's friend from her college friend was down she went to school in okay. new england they came down to the city and we were going to meet them for dinner they're both from massachusetts and there was one point in the conversation where we you know we're hanging out we're eating i think it was beef tartare or something and her friend looks at me and she goes hey you're a watch guy right and i was like here we go Let's see what mm-hmm. this is about. <laughs> so she's like, yeah, my my husband was telling me this crazy thing about how his buddy, who's, you know, quote unquote, big into watches, is is trying to get a Rolex and he's he's got a wine and dine his AD guy and whatever, whatever. And they're like, is, is this true? Like you you have to do this? I'm like, well, no. You know, I know people who have gotten them yeah off the bat if, you, know, if like, you know somebody you can get them and somebody like yourself you'd be able to get a watch no problem if you really want to but the average just, person is a little bit difficult it was yeah. funny he's like this guy told me i gotta go wine and dine this dude in new hampshire or whatever and i'm like damn dude really like you know i know people who have formed a relationship with their dealer associate and they've gotten a call for a gmt or something like that no yeah, big yeah. deal that's cool um you know i've other, had other buddies who have bought not that much like you know they bought a black bay and then they had their name on the list for a sub and they got called okay great I'm like you don't have to wine and dine somebody out at some fancy fancy restaurant just to hope to get something like I'm, yeah that's, that's a little that's kind of messed up and and the guy's going on and on and he's like you know i get it i get it it's a it's a beautiful handmade product and it's the best watch you could buy and meanwhile i'm sitting there laughing first of all i'm wearing my grand seiko <laughs> i'm wearing my grand seiko which like laughs all over this because oh, man. that actually has hand finishing and it's yes you yes know. yes so i'm just like kind of just snickering and i you know i'm not i'm not about to throw the dude on blast or anything but i'm like yeah yeah no i i totally get it i totally get it but that's the type of 
outlook that I'm talking yeah. about here. Yeah. A lot of people have that that misconception. I mean, hell, when I first got into this, that was my mis you know, that was my misconception too. All these things were hand worked and they, no, no, they're hand assembled. Right. Robots, <laughs> robots and CNC machines produce these, but they're put together by human hands. Human hands aren't crafting them. Correct. Right. There, there is a there is an, a, a, a distinctive difference. And that kind of gets back to my my last point. Right. Is this Rolex is going to run better than an Acrivia or than a Debethune or, or yes. an Elong and Sona. It's just because it's made to a higher tolerance, not made to a more beautiful design. It's made to a higher spec. Uh, and that's, again, it applies to the movement. But, you know, cachet is always a big thing. And and I think in some ways it kind of comes in waves. I know for me personally, and I've always been this way, um, I've always been the anti-cachet type person. I've always been the type of person that likes to go for the underdog because I felt like myself, I've always been the underdog in my own life personally. So I like to I like to bet on the second horse, if you will. Okay. But a lot of people, they don't like to take those types of risks because again, it's it's a going against the grain mindset. It's unpopular. It's unpopular. And it's and it's the road less traveled, if you will, right? To use a to use a frost quote. For me, a lot of people are going to go and they're gonna go with what they know and what they know other people know. And something like a Rolex is a perfect example of that. Because you ask anybody on the street, you took a poll, and maybe we should get our man on the street back out there <laughs> and send him out there and ask people, naming you know a luxury watch brand they're familiar with, what's it going to be? And I guarantee you, you know, maybe it's not 10 out of 10, but it's got to be 8 out of 10 or 9 out of 10 times they're going to say a Rolex. I think he's down in First, Miami now, right? He is in Miami now, yeah. So he might, you know what, that, that 1 out of 10 might be Hublot. Yeah, it'd be kind of an interesting poll, right? I know he's in Miami. It'd be kind of an interesting poll, but I guarantee you, I mean, eight out of ten, nine out of ten, yeah. ten out of ten times it's gonna be it's gonna be a Rolex. Before anything else. Now, I think maybe that sentiment is changing a little bit because more and more people are getting access to other brands, but you know, cachet for a lot of people is is a very important deciding factor. I mean, and I and I mentioned that sometimes these things come in waves. Don't you remember, you know, 10, 15 years ago when everyone had the everyone had to have the most massive logos on their body as possible? Like you had the giant polo horse logo that took up three quarters of the shirt. Yeah, your entire you shoulder. Yep. It's like, what is this? And and it looked horrible back then, but everyone thought that was the fly thing to do. You know, this massive logo. And these labels and these things, they come and go, you know, but so many people want to have that recognition. They want to have that thing because that is an outward expression to everyone else that I have that said thing, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a designer handbag or designer shoes or some type of fashion make, whatever, if I can get it then I, people know what it is. I mean, look at Balenciaga. They make the most disgusting, hideous shoes on the planet, <laughs> and everyone is selling their grandmother away to get these shoes. They're hideous. They're arguably ugly. I mean, Yeezy's the same thing, right? These Yeezy sandals that everyone, they're, they're hideous. They're absolutely ugly. They look like amoebas on your feet. But 
people know how much they cost. They know how difficult they are to obtain. And so people go out and they get them because they know other people will recognize them. That's just not me. It's not my style. Yeah, it's not mine either. And that's sort of where at some point in my journey, I made my peace with, with Seiko in that <laughs> I just, people have enough things to say about them and I just don't care. And like, I have my own reasons for why I like them and why I like them at all the different price points they offer and everything. But you again, know, it's an underdog brand. A little. Yeah. And yeah, but over time they've, they've certainly hit their high marks throughout history, which I, which I love. Right. Whether it be the automatic chronograph course, technology, whatever. I mean, you, you, you'd be surprised. You can go on their website and they have like their historical timeline and it's actually quite interesting. It, it was no, a, it's, Oh, it's 100%. It was a fun, it was a fun little rabbit hole. I went down one night. <laughs> so check that out yeah, if you haven't. Absolutely. Here's an interesting one because I feel like it goes back to exactly what you were talking about with the giant logo on whether it be a polo or whatever. Complications, right? When I yeah. first got into watches, I thought the more complicated, the better, right? Give me complications. <laughs> I want all the complications. I more want a complications. GMT Diver Chrono right now. Right? <laughs> more complications and more jewels means better watch, right? right like that's right. how it goes. And then in addition to kind of refining my own taste, you also learn that much like a car, the more you put onto something, the more expensive it is to fix and service. Yes, yes. Which I have a funny story about. We'll get to that in a minute. Okay. But, you know, you complications are great. I like them. I obviously I just grabbed a Seiko GMT. Not that it's, it's not even a true GMT, whatever. But complications are cool they make everything a little more interesting i think chronographs are really popular for people because they like the sub dials it's a familiar look it, it gives you that oh i can time something look right the, yeah the dive yeah. bezel is really cool everybody sees a dive bezel they they just like that you can turn it it's got some interesting numbers on it yeah whether you yeah. know watches or you don't it's a it's another sort of it just looks cool flavor piece it gives you more opportunities for colors and design and breaking up the the different sight lines and everything complications in general are cool and when you finally learn what they do they're really cool especially when they're intricate things whether it be these crazy calendar watches or if you can actually set your moon face watch <laughs> right you can actually do some pretty cool things with watches at the end of the day and at yeah. one point they were super useful tools not so much anymore but super useful one day you know once upon a time and i think that makes them interesting in their own right as well but I think there's also something to being uncomplicated, which is sort of what we were talking about with that Timex in that it's just plain and it's good. Yeah, it, it, it I mean, sometimes we, we often forget about the root part of complication. It's complicated, right? Yes. And so the more things that you have that are that are complex on a timepiece, the more likelihood they are to break, the more likelihood they are to 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 need servicing prematurely the more likely there is a margin for user error. And that happens all the time. Shout out to all my uh, IWC perpetual bros out there who have accidentally set their perpetual calendars ahead and then had to send it out to the factory to have it manually reset. Oh, no. Did you know that this is a problem? I did not. Yes. If you accidentally set your perpetual in advance, changing the times, it cannot be manually undone. It has to be sent into service to have it refixed. 
and you reset. You couldn't just do a really painstaking task and nope, going all the way back around. you cannot go all the way around. You cannot go all the way around. Many have tried. All wow. have failed. Yes. I found this out recently, and I was like, and, you know, I guess I just never thought about it because it was not something that I've ever had personal experience with. No. But 100%, you cannot set one of those IWCs. And, and subsequently, all kind of the Richemont perpetuals, they're all based, I think, off a, off a Jaeger calibers, if I'm not mistaken. It doesn't matter. Someone will fact check me on it. But the way that they're designed is they cannot be manually set if they're set incorrectly. They cannot be manually adjusted. And you cannot go backwards either because you could damage the mechanism. So the only way to go forward is to go forward. But if you go forward beyond the actual time or date or whatever it might be, the only way to have it fixed is to send it to Switzerland or send it to Germany, I guess, in Schaffhausen and have it manually reset. Now, would it be a bigger pain in the neck to just let it stop? and then A lot of times the retailers will tell you if you... If you screw up, just let it die. Like, let yeah. it stop, and then they can help you set it properly. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. Because I was, I, <laughs> I had this exact conversation with someone. I was like, well, can't you just, like, no, no, no. You can't keep going forward because it just will time <laughs> out. Like, you know, because every time you send those watches in for service, they'll update it for the, you know, the corresponding years or whatever yeah, it's going to be in the sense. future. Right? So you can't just keep going on it does it's not a it's not a digital watch like you can't keep coming back around you know so i was like i'd never thought about that but it's 100 percent true and there was a collector guy that i met um as a as an unrelated note but it also has something similar he had one of the first ever iwc da vinci's that wow. came out in the late 90s these were some of the first watches ever with ceramic cases i saw the man i'm in this gun vault uh and amazing collector amazing guy just very no nonsense, but he had this amazing collection of crazy, you know, 90s, 2000s IWCs. And he was telling me one day that this is probably 10 or 15 years ago. He was trying to set his perpetual. And he set it backwards. Wow. And he said, the only thing that he remembers is hearing a <laughs> inside the movement. Oh my he heard, god. He on heard a, a perpetual. Pop. Oh, he heard a pop. And he had to take it into where he bought it. And they're like, there's literally nothing we can do for you. Like, this has to go to Chef House. I'm like, now. So they sent it over. It was six thousand dollars to fix it. And it took a year and a half. At that point, I'm just like, I just you guys take trades. And then yeah. put this towards something else. Yeah. Can I just you know, sell I mean, some parts? Yeah. I mean, I mean, can you imagine? Now, amazing complication. Amazing. But you have to know how to set these things. You have to know how to use them because it's only going to make your life more complicated and more expensive when you do it wrong. For me, complications are beautiful. Again, it's a sign of artistry and watchmaking, and they're and they're amazing. But if you don't know what you're doing, the margin for error as the user is exponentially high, especially if you are changing watches. Like if you're rotating watches out and you let a perpetual stop, like just, just stop it. Like just don't touch it. Take it to somebody who knows and have them help you set it. Because if you set it wrong, one wrong turn of the crown, you're done. Like it's, it's just done. So 
the, you know, these watches can be amazing, but you have to be extremely careful with how they set because it will make your life more complicated. So don't, don't do it. Just buy a chronograph, just buy a diver, just buy a GMT, just buy something normal because they're affordable. They can be relatively useful and anything beyond those complications really is extraneous. You don't need a moon phase. You're not a werewolf. We've talked about this before. You don't need to track the lunar cycle. Nobody's going out to the fields to find out when the full moon is to grow their crops or harvest their crops. These are things that people used to do. Most of us will never do this at all, ever. And certainly not wearing an, while wearing an expensive watch. So just get a normal complication. The rest of them are overrated anyway. Hot take. That was like the first thing I asked. A buddy of mine picked up a Sky Dweller. And the first thing I asked, he's like, check out the, you know, the, the ring complication. I'm like, can I break this? Yeah. And the he, ring command, 100% you can. And he's like, not easily. He's like, just, he's like, I don't think if you do, do anything stupid, you'll break it. And I was like, okay. So like, I just adjusted. I was like, all right, that's fine. I've had enough. And I just like handed it back. I was like, there's no way I'm screwing this up and costing you this much money so yeah <laughs> and again it, it, it's like that is one of the more somewhat intuitive systems to set although yeah. it's still extremely complicated it was but it, once you understood the way it worked it wasn't it wasn't too hard no but again you know you have to make the other thing that people don't realize is you got to make sure the hands aren't in the wrong position they if they're pointing upwards on the dial they could be the, in the date date setting function or in the danger zone you know, you could strip gear. Like there's so many different things that people don't realize when it comes to watches. And if you're not doing it right, or you don't have an educated salesperson showing you this and another hot take, if you're buying a luxury watch, 100% your salesperson should show you how to set your timepiece before you leave the store. I agree. If they that. don't, then you don't buy the watch. You walk. Because when it comes to a servicing problem, they are not going to be the ones to help you. They will leave you hanging out to dry. When I sold every single watch that I ever sold, no matter how long it took, I sat every client down and I explained to them how to use every single aspect of their timepiece. Chronograph, bezel, you know, diver's extension, even the dumbest things. It was, it was necessary. Because every client knew how to use their timepiece. And I told them, if you ever forget, you come back and you ask me. Don't do anything because you think you know how to do it. Ask before you damage your timepiece. Well, how Never, many, people, ever had how many people have to be told not to hit the reset pusher while the chronograph's running? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. You don't have a flyback, buddy. Yeah. You thought you did for one second, <laughs> but now you don't. The chronograph doesn't work anymore at all. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. But again, some salesperson should have said, hey, doesn't matter what. I don't care what you're doing. It has to stop before you reset it, period. And so many people don't do that. And people end up with messed up watches because their salesperson didn't take care of them. So again, if you're buying a luxury timepiece, somebody should sit you down and show you how to set your watch. They should never assume you know how to do it, ever. And if they don't, then you walk. So going along with, I guess, complications is something that I always thought about 
when buying a watch is, I guess, at what level does this watch do what it's supposed to do? I mean, all watches tell time. Sure. Right. All divers should be able to be submerged. Yeah. However, I mean, there have been circumstances where I've come across watches where I'm like, this, I don't know if this does exactly what it's supposed to do that well. And I think it's turning me off. Whereas the other end of the spectrum is, like we talked about before, you get to a point where there's only so much better you can get than yeah. a level of perfection, right? But like, I'll throw you an example. I mean, like I told you, I like to I like to mess around in the, the affordable end of the pool sometimes. And at one point, I want to say in 2020, Orient dropped this SK Diver Retro Re-Edition. Ah, yes. I think you touched this one. It was kind of like a, a very angular case, cool looking watch, right? And I didn't look, it have an didn't it have an odd kind of shaped crystal. It has an odd shaped case in general. Okay, okay. But I think it's like fifty meter water resistance, and I was like, "That says diver, <laughs> does it not?" <laughs> uh, I was like, "Does that say diver?" And it's fifty meters. Yeah, okay. I guess because it's a re-edition and it's got a weird case shape. Maybe it wasn't so easy to make hermetically sealed. I don't know. But I'm just like, <laughs> man, I think this has turned me off enough not to buy this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this has like a great uh, a gradient dial, right? On somebody yes. on yeah. Okay, I I remember this watch. Like an inside to outside gradient. Yeah, 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 yeah. It kind of goes like that. Right, fades like, out. almost like a curtain curtain motif. Like it goes out to the outside, but. Yeah, <laughs> diver. You know, because it had a cool seventies sure? look to it. I was like, diver. I'm like, are you sure, or does it just like a splash zone proof only? So I guess for me, a level of execution is expected. Yeah, and then once you attain a certain level of, of execution, I, I think there's a point where you just are are splitting hairs. Uh huh. So I guess you got to hit the minimum, but like once you cross the minimum, you have to weigh exactly well, how valuable that is to you. Yeah, and it, it, yeah, I mean for sure. I mean, I I certainly think so. I mean, at the very at the very bare minimum, you should be getting what the product is as advertised. Yeah. Right. So, and that's the thing I find that's so funny is like this diver, quote unquote, from Orient. Which I, I pulled up an article and it, the first headline says how not to do a reissue. As a diver. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, dang, we're going in hard, um, <laughs> which is which is kind of sad. But, uh, you know, the issue is, is like a lot of these determinations are legal, like they're legally binding. Yeah. You know, like to have a diver's watch, you have to have a minimum of 200 meters water resistance. It's an ISO 6425 compliance. Like that is the legal determination for a diver's watch. So do you have to label it a diver style watch? Maybe, yeah. Yeah, Maybe. That's, that, I mean, yeah. People like to do that in food too. They like to throw style in there to make it so that they don't have to be super authentic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's the same kind of thing. But those those are actually legal legal determinations. The same thing is true with chronometer. Like chronometer cannot just be placed on the dial because no. it is something that measures time. That's technically true. But it is a legal determination that the movement has been independently audited through the COSC. 
it has to meet their criteria in order to be listed as a chronometer legally. Master chronometer is the same thing. Any of these things are legal determinations. So it's interesting that it was listed as a diver because it doesn't really meet that requirement at all, really, which is kind of funny, um, but also somewhat sad for Orient. But I mean, this this watch, uh, as you have as you have aptly pointed out, has been pretty much roasted every everywhere. Every article I see is not uh, not in favor of this of this timepiece at all, which is kind of sad because it's kind of funky and cool, yeah. very seventies. But I think you know, at the very bare minimum, you should be getting what the product is as advertised. That I think is 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 certainly true. Um, but you know, brands do a lot of things, and a lot of times they make concessions or or they do weird things for whatever reason they feel is necessary. And as consumers, sometimes we, we get left out hanging out to dry on that. And I think that's where you get a lot of those people who are the SKX purists come in is that they got something that hits that sort of minimum bar of requirement. I mean, it's not yeah. a hacking movement. It's not a hand winding movement, but it's an ISO certified diver. Yeah in a beautiful little package and a lot of people have said this is perfect i do not need anything more than that and like i kind of envy those people but there's a good amount of them that were like the skx is perfect i don't need anything better it does everything i wanted to and i'm like i i get it i get it yeah i mean i i'm the same way too i i understand i have a buddy that that he bought his skx probably right as they were discontinuing it the first time yeah um, when they said that they were no longer in production, but they were still in production for like three years after that. Bajillion units worth of stock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he got his right right as the prices were starting to climb up a little bit. I think he he paid I think he paid like a, around $180 for his SKX, which is, you know, I think at one point they were like 150, 160. Yeah. So he was kind of right as that price is starting to climb up. I saw today on Amazon an SKX for $888. Hilarious. <laughs> Almost $1,000 for an SKX. And I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, the new Seiko 5 GMT, I could get two of them for this price. Yeah. It's crazy. For real. Anyway, but he was like, hey, man, I really kind of want to get into, into watches. Like, what? I mean, what should I get? And this is kind of what I pointed him to. I was like, literally... If you're going to spend all your money, get a watch that can do everything. Anything that you want. You can dress it up. You can dress it down. Screw down crown. You can get it wet. Go to the river. Go hunt it. Whatever, whatever you want to do, this is the watch that you can do anything in. And he bought it. And there's not a single day that he's regretted it. And since then, he's added a few more watches to his collection. And this is the same guy that has the Autodromo we've talked about before. Um, but it's just, that's the watch that does everything. And it's sad, truly for me, that there's not a, a true modern replacement. I, I just, I want that watch back. You got to assume it's, I don't, I'm not going to say it's on their list of priorities, but again, for the rainy day fund, Hey, we need a, we need a, a showstopper SKX reedition hacking. But, hand I mean, again, like what are they waiting on? Because they, they don't need it. They got they have hot they stuff. Keep they keep teasing us with these right little SK, these, you know, these Seiko fives. It's like, that's cute. But it's not an SKX. Yeah, you'll you know, have to like, have a, a pro. It'll be a, a pro specs 
branded SKX. I, I I don't care. But it would probably be badass. I mean, that's that's what I want. I want an ISO ISO sixty four twenty five screw down crown two hundred meter rated diver, and upgrade the movement. That's it. I don't need ceramic. I don't need a king version. I just want a modernized version of the SKX. And please God, put the loom pip for the second hand at the end <laughs> where it actually goes around the dial, not the end of the second, not the back the, side of the, the second hand, the yeah. front side on the second hand <laughs> does not make any sense to me at all. Why this was a thing. So go back to that. And I guarantee you it will be a home run. Every, every watch collector from here to Sunday will own that stupid watch because we all started with it. And some of us have moved on to move on to other watches. We've modded the hell out of them. We sold them. But I guarantee you, ask any watch collector that owned that dang watch, they would love the chance to own it again in a brand new package with an updated movement, updated specs, but just no frills like the old school days. We're all very nostalgic. I want that watch back. <laughs> I mean, would you not buy it? I sure would. I, I know you would. I was surprised how quickly you got the GMT. And then I was like, well, I'm not really that surprised. But I'm just like, this is this is kind of bro's watch. I yeah, man, like I, I hunted around though. for a good price for us, but you know, it was yeah. in a barrel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to, I need to find I need to find your guy. <laughs> uh another big one for me, I don't I I think if, for anybody who actually uses their watch and doesn't just check their phone. Legibility for me is tremendous. A yeah. watch that I cannot read at a glance pisses me off. I'll be straight with you. I that's why I usually veer away from skeletonized watches that are overly busy. I usually veer away from watches where the handsets are not pronounced well, or that where they're kind of the same color and blended the background, or the indices are really either they don't have them or they're just really not well defined. I yeah. Can't deal with those. Legibility for me is huge. It's one thing I really liked about having a Panerai was I always knew what time it was. <laughs> you can see it from space. Yeah. yeah even in pitch dark, <laughs> no big deal. Absolutely. Aside from that, the fact that it was running at an eight day, you know, clip, which is really nice. But yeah, legibility for me is huge. And it's something that I, I think it's a hump that I can't get over when it comes to watches yeah. in that I, I don't know if I could ever. It's one thing I love the, the stone dial Rolexes. I don't know if I could ever do like the Onyx style where it just has no markers at all. Yeah, I mean, but when you kind of get a watch like that, it really doesn't matter what time it is. It's kind of the idea too. It's it, it's in some ways the ultimate subtle flex. Like I'm so rich, I don't need to know what time it is. Yeah, so here, here's my approximation of time. Well, if it's but a day, guy, at least you know what day it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's kind of like the guys that like roll out into life with a one-hander. It's just yeah. like I don't need to know exactly what time it is. You know, plus or minus five minutes is probably good enough. I'm like, that would drive me nuts. But <laughs> I love the idea that you can do that yourself. Um, but for me, you know, legibility is key. And that's that's one of the things that I certainly do look for a lot in, in, in my own personal timepieces. I mean, again, a lot of dive watches they they satiate this for me just naturally because again. These are meant to be seen in all types of visibility, high, low, darkness, light, whatever you want to do. So they're designed to be very legible. I mean, that's kind of the way that these watches were created. 
Um, I think, you know, for me, one of my favorite master classes in, in, in contrast and legibility is the Speedy Pro. I mean, this launch, you can see in every angle, however you want to see it, it's clear as day what time it is, where the chronograph orientation is, and it's just an icon. I mean, black, white, simple, goes with everything. You can read it upside down, floating through zero gravity. You can read it at your nine to five. But it is a true master class in, in, in contrast. And it's funny. If you've ever looked or paid attention to the history and the evolution of all the Speedmasters over the years, every single change that the Speedy had was an improvement for legibility. They changed the old steel bezels out for the black anodized aluminum bezels because the steel ones would, would get scratched. The paint-filled you know, bezel would start to wear away. You yeah. couldn't read it anymore. They used to have big, chunky, broad-air hands, but the broad-air hands obstructed the chronograph subdials so they started moving to thinner hands because now you could read the chronograph better then they went to the alpha side you know alpha alpha shaped hands but they were silver it would contrast with the dial that would add glare you couldn't see them as well so they went to white painted hands every single aspect of this watch in its penultimate form which is what we have today was a transition to make the watch more usable as a tool and to me i have a lot of respect for that it's a continual small change to make it more perfect and i mean how could you not love the speedy it's an icon and that'll bring me to another one that's big for me and from what i found is big for a lot of people and i just say this because the speedy has this going for it is strap options i mean obviously omega offers plenty of them and the speedy it, it at least it used to come i mean when you got the big box, you got Velcro, right? You got a NATO. Yeah. The bracelet. Like that Those was days a cool are long time. gone. That was a cool time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you could all, was, they, were also, they were also almost available at half the price. But <laughs> but for me, I mean, that's a big deal. Yeah. Something with a, a, a bad bracelet or something with, let's say, a weird lug width where your strap options are limited. Sometimes that'll push me away a little bit. I, I it's something I, I kind of appreciate about somebody like an Uncle Seiko who, who's helped out a lot of people in that regard. And he doesn't just do Seikos. He does a lot of different brands, which is cool. Yeah. But I mean, shout, shout out to Uncle Seiko. <laughs> yeah, Uncle Seiko's a monster, man. I need to get a speedy bracelet for my for my new 3861. I need, get, I need to get one from him, and I need to get one from Forstner. Um, but braces are important, and, and strap monsters are, are certainly important, especially when you start collecting, you know? It's like us as people, like we have multiple shoes for different occasions. Why wouldn't you have multiple straps for different occasions? Right. I mean, it might save you a couple bucks just putting a different strap on than buying another watch to satisfy. Yeah. Another I look. Mean, yeah. Just go out there and get you a nice new 20 millimeter pink sailcloth Brodinky and Strap X collaborate or Strap Habit collaboration and do it. Put a, put a new strap on your timepiece. Well, I can't argue with that. Right. I mean, but yeah, that's that's certainly something that that is important. It's certainly something that you guys should look at. I certainly do. Uh, I have a couple watches in my collection that are 19s, and and I'm like, do I really want to buy a dedicated 19 millimeter strap for just one or two watches in my collection? It's tough. It's tough. It's hard to justify that, especially when it's a watch I don't wear often enough to be like, okay, this makes sense. But 
you know, some of my other stuff that I have, you know, they do have odd lug sizes too, but I wear them much more often. I'm like, well, maybe that makes sense to go out and get something dedicated for that. Um, but again, you know, your options are, are much more minute. Your options are much more limited. I'm still waiting, holding my breath on the one day Tropic gets off their butt and makes odd lug size Tropics. <laughs> I do not want to squeeze a 22 into my 21. Make me a 21. I want to wear your strap. <laughs> Please. I don't care if it can squish. It It's not the same. PSA, I want I want the 21. Please. You don't you only have to make one color. Just black is fine. The 21, please. From your good boy Schmidt. Just a suggestion. And all you guys listening, please hound them. Go to their page and hound them. I want the 21. Let them know. Let them know, please. You might as well do 19 also for all the, the, vintage, the Again, vintage folks out how there. How many vintage subs out there could use a 19? I am not going to squish a 20 into a 19. It doesn't articulate right. It puts a lot of stress on spring bars. It puts a lot of stress on the, on the actual strap itself. It helps to wear it down. Maybe that's what they want. They want me to keep buying their straps. They're not cheap, but they are the legitimately, they are the best tropic out there, period. And, you know, it's in their name, right? So, yep. give me a 21 and a 19. Make me happy. And I think that ties in directly to wear and comfort. I, this is a tough one because I feel like it should be a lot higher. But given the difficulty of being able to try on a lot of in-demand pieces, this is a real pain in the, in the butt, right? Like, obviously, ideally, you try it on first. Try things on rather than buying something sight unseen. But it's not always the case. Right. You, can't always, you can't always do it. And you know what? At a lower price point, maybe it's not such a big deal. When you're buying a watch for multiple thousands of dollars and you're not sure if it's going to fit well, ah. Uh, I mean, that first wear, risk. yeah, that first wear it's is a like roll of the dice. And 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 I know immediately when this happens to somebody, and they're like, "Yeah, we just didn't click." Right on watches. Yep. <laughs> My loss is your gain. All right? the all the tropes, all the, all the cliches. Yeah. It, it it happens every time. Yep. Because. There's always going to be an inherent element that's a, that's an intangible with a watch. You have to try it on. Is it the right lug to lug? Does the bracelet contour your wrist right? I mean, some people have weird shaped wrist bones, right? Does the bracelet fit you the way that it's supposed to fit you? Do you like the style in person? Is the dial color actually the blue that you saw online? Does the rubber strap work well? I mean, all of these considerations are things that you won't really understand truly fully unless you try the watch on hell does the buckle clasp with the wording upside down i don't know you won't know until you put it on you won't know until you have it on your on your wrist in in real life and that's sometimes a hard pill to swallow especially because so many brands keep dropping online collabs and online drops where you really have only one option and it's to hit buy it now and yep. 
Buy it or don't. Pray to God you can maybe sell it later if you don't like it. Um, so there's that. But I mean, a, a lot of these watches, like, you know, I was, we talked about this earlier in the year. I was really gung ho about the new Doxa Sub 600. I loved that watch in theory. And then I tried it on and it just, it, was it wasn't my watch. It was a miss for me. The way that the strap integrates into the case was just not right. It sat too high and it just, it was not a cohesive integration. Even the sales guy told me, he's like, yeah, it's like, this is, this doesn't just, doesn't flow well. So that was a, that was a bit of a, of a, of a sad thing for me. Cause you guys know how much I love Doxa and it just means I'll have to get some other versions of the Doxa that I really truly do like. It's just, that one is going to be a miss. Um, but I didn't know that until I tried it on physically. I could have tried to buy the the Time and Tide limited edition that they did, you know, in titanium, which would have been awesome. But I would have immediately regretted it because it would not have fit me right. Now, with fit, call something I like to call feel. Feel might not be the appropriate word. It might be more the feeling that I guess it evokes when you throw it on. But for me, when I buy a watch and I've thought it out and I decide to make it a purchase, I'm buying it because I feel like the watch fits me. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to try to force a watch that I don't feel is me on myself, right? Like, you don't wear clothes that you feel like don't represent you, right? That, Absolutely. I mean, you're not a poser, right? <laughs> yeah. So, like, you know, are you in that Target demo, I guess? Does it make sense for – does this piece make sense for you? Those are things that I think come secondary, but, like, they make a lot of sense for me. Like, when I when I think about it, when I – you know, you've got the mouse clicker over by now. You're like, hold on a sec. Is this is this really me? Like, does this jive with who I am or what I do? Yeah. Or what? Is it an impulse or is it actually a true representation of me that I want to express to the world? Right. And I get, if I get this thing on the wrist, like, is this going to make sense? Or did I just buy like a really dressy watch that I'm never going to wear? Cause I you know, wear sweatpants every day. <laughs> yeah. Not that you can't wear it. It's just, you know, I don't know. I don't know if you're going to feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. Does it fit your lifestyle? Does it fit your personal style? Does it fit your taste? I mean, all of these things are important. And so many, and, and I feel like when you and I first got into watches, people took them much more seriously. Yeah, there was there were defined lines. Like I, I cannot remember when I first got into a watches collaborations like the like the way that they are now. They didn't exist. No, you know, there was no you know high profile collaboration alpinists or rough Carreras or like none of these things existed. Now you get like random Timex ones. They would come out and they would be like, okay. And sometimes it'd be hit. Sometimes it would be misses. But I feel like so often now there's so much additional pressure from the marketing, from the limited edition numbers, from all the brand awareness, from, you know, all the 30 blogs are going to write about this one exact watch at the same time. That you're like, oh, I like this, but do you really like it? Is it actually what you want, or are you being conditioned to think that you need it and want it? And for me, I've always been of the mindset 
that if it happens, it'll happen, right? If it's meant to be, it'll be. And I'll give you a perfect example of this. I've been a, a longtime fan of, for Doxer for many years, but I haven't really told the story how I got my first one. Um, <clears throat> and a good buddy of mine who is an avid collector, and he and I are, are close, close friends to this day, specifically partly for this reason. And uh, if, you're, if you are listening to this, I, I cannot stress to you how much I sincerely appreciate this. But... Several, several, several years ago, when Doxa was really starting to make a comeback on the watch community, um, they were teasing that they were going to get ready to drop a new limited edition. The first limited edition in, like, forever. Yep. And I've been a longtime Doxa fan. I had been waiting to get one. I had just got into diving, and I was like, this is the watch that really represents who I am. I'm a diver. I'm an enthusiast. I, I'm an old soul. I like vintage watches. I can't go out and buy a vintage Doxa because they're basically non-existent. You know, they're very hard to find. They're and, like the Subaru of watches. Nobody nobody resells those things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they just keep them forever. So, you know, I always knew that I wanted one. And I specifically wanted the classic orange dial professional. Yeah. Like Sub 300 professional OG that's what I wanted. And I'll never forget. It was in the morning. All of a sudden, my phone's binging. They just dropped this. Houdinki's covering it. Everybody's covering it. And it was the Doxa Sub 300 Professional Orange Dial with the Aqua Lung, yep. what they call the Black Lung logo, which if you know anything about the history of Doxa, that, did, that configuration, that color, of the logo never existed in an actual commercialized sellable version. They had prototypes that the Doxa team themselves were issued and some dive watch owners and stuff around the dive watch dive shop owners around the country and around the world were given. But when they went into actual production, Doxa made the dials only with the outline of the logo, never the yellow and black physical color of the logo. So this was an, exceedingly rare watch because it legitimately never even existed before outside of a prototype and they only made 300 and then i check in the price i'm like jesus it was just over two thousand dollars i think it was 2100 2300 something like that and i looked at my wife and i was like i really want to get this and she's like we we literally just can't afford it there's nothing that we can do to to get this watch She's like, I know how badly you want one. You've been wanting a watch for a long time. She's like, we just can't afford it. We were really struggling at the time. And I said, okay. And that's a hard pill to swallow. You know, just be like, you know, you want something so bad. You've been wanting it for a long time and you just can't get it. And knowing my situation, my collector friend bought it for me. Wow. Didn't even ask me. He just knew I would get it. He knew I would want it, and he knew I didn't have the ability to get it for myself. And so he bought it for me. He pre-ordered it, and he told me, he said, hey, you keep the watch, you wear the watch, and you pay me back, and we're square. And that's how I got to get the watch. Over time, I was able to make him little payments, and eventually I paid off my debt. And got my watch, but he did that for me because he knew how much I would want something like that. 
And that's to me, it's one of those stories. Like if it's meant to be, it's going to be something out there in the universe will help you manifest in getting that piece. If it's meant to be, it'll happen. But so many people get caught up in the entrapment of like, oh, it's a cool salmon dialed chronomaster. Like this is the newest hotness. Like, no, I'm sorry. Arguably, it's not. It might be a big miss, but because somebody released it, now it's it's crazy and it's hot, right? So don't fall into that. Make sure you're buying a timepiece for the right reasons. Make sure you're buying it because it's actually something that you wanted or have wanted for a long time. That makes sense. Don't jump the gun because you think it's going to be somehow limited or specialty or collectible or whatever because you're not buying it for the right reasons. And what you're doing is you're taking that opportunity away from somebody who wants that watch for the right reasons. And to me, that's an issue. Damn flippers. Well, part of what you were just talking about is something that I had written down, which is sort of like the who owns it factor or who represents it. Obviously, that plays a big part of things. We have certain people who are both celebrities and collectors that draw eyes of a lot of, you know, your average collectors. Obviously, you're John Mayer's and people like that. Mm -hmm. They can hype a piece real quick and in no time. Right. All of a sudden, that's an in-demand piece, right? The 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 John Mayer Daytona, right? Yeah. For example, R.I.P. Pete. I know he wants one. He's never getting one. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah. um, but you know, there's certain pieces like that out there that have been become cult favorites or classics because of reasons of who owned it, who wore it, who wore it in a certain whether it be film or excursion, and that also ties into I think the last thing I had written here, which is provenance or history. In that you have these watches that are either named after somebody or famously worn by somebody on a crazy expedition or what have you, right? And that's going to ex, you know, exponentially drive the price and the demand. So I don't know if it's important to everybody, but certainly to some people, that historical significance that provenance, the the factor, the cool factor of who owned it or who is represented by these pieces are important to certain people. Not necessarily everybody, but certainly some people. Mm-hmm. Now, I know for me personally, there's maybe a few instances where I would take that into account. But I can't say on many levels i would pay a premium on a watch because somebody else owned it yeah right i mean i want the experience to be with me i don't care about what somebody else had with it and and to be honest i mean you know somebody bought jack nicholas's gold day date for some absurd amount of money but i mean i think plenty of people documented that you know he would take it off and just toss it into his golf bag like you know it it was a material possession to him I'm not saying yeah. he didn't enjoy it or like it, but at the end of the day, like it was just a thing. I'm not tossing my prized possession in my golf bag. God knows what happens to that thing over the course of the year, you know? So, uh, you know, is it a fun part of this hobby? Does it draw, certainly drive the economy for a lot of people, whether it be sellers or collectors? Absolutely. Am I so sure that's healthy always? Maybe not. You know, I don't know, but you know, there's a premium on space flown things. There's a premium on, yeah, 
you know, we've seen and anything, recently, anything with a unique story, right? We've anything seen with a recently, unique story or provenance or whatever. Yeah, the, those collector pieces, the Newman's Newman, right? Like, yeah, astronomical prices. Again, or just you know, our you know, shout out to our buddy Cole. He's like, you know, just reading the case back, finding something with some type of historical significance, whether it was a famous person or somebody that did something fantastic or not. You know, some people will pay a premium for a military watch that has some type of paperwork that signifies that it was in the military or that it did certain things, you know, whether this person was anybody of note or not. You know, I think we all kind of want to have the story, the cachet, the nostalgia, the 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 buy-in, the historical significance—all that's kind of wrapped up in the same aspect of this question. Um, and I think, in many ways, it is important. You know, I know I would pay a premium for a, for a space-flown Speedmaster because they're extremely rare, and we aren't really returning to space the way that we used to back in the day. And maybe that's changing in the next couple of years or so, but. At least for the long, you know, longevity portion of my life, that's never been the case. And uh, well, even so, it's, like that it's much unique. more rec- it's much more recreational now as opposed to when it used to be exploration. Yeah, based. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I mean, and you know, the threshold's only going to continue to increase. So it's not only going to be space flown speedmasters; it's going to be, or or watches in general. It's going to be moonwalked yeah you know speedmasters and watches or mission mars yeah or mission flown or mars flown right like once we eventually get to mars i mean how awesome would it be to have the first speedmaster ever to walk on the martian surface like that would be awesome yeah you know that'll get lost in the way to the smithsonian (laughs) (laughs) exactly right but again you know the the historical significance of these things is important too because we all want to feel connected to stories we all want to have some type of intrinsic thing that makes these inanimate objects have meaning have life have some type of emotive connection to us and when they do those when they do possess those things you you can't you can't put a price on it you know yeah and i you know it's it's hard because i know a lot of times people will pay attention to what celebrities wear what politicians wear, world leaders, you know. Yeah. Right. It is some, what it is. Some I mean, people do. It, some it, people I mean, are, are a little more obsessed now with than other people. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that. I don't. I don't know if I. You know, I don't know if I've ever necessarily seen it backfire before. But like, I can imagine that if you owned a popular watch and then somebody who fell out of favor had that watch, like that might. I don't know if that would tank the price or drive it up. You never know, man. You know, like if Amber Heard had a watch, I can't imagine that would be doing well. <laughs> <laughs> She'd probably wear a Cartier tank or something like that, right? Do they, do they make a chocolate dial in that? Oh, no, no. Why? <laughs> Why? Why do you have to do this to me? Because that's that's what I bring to the table. Okay, that's, that's, what, pretty, that's what it's pretty cringe, my friend. Pretty cringe. That's, that's what people come to me for. The real hey, we are we, we are the uh we are the podcast of hot takes right hot something but uh hot something right? <laughs> but regardless uh you know again i i 
I understand on some levels and then other levels I, I don't, but yeah, it's tough. I mean, I think it's also what makes the hobby fun. I think it makes it a little fun kind of deciding this is cool. This isn't cool. This means something to me. This doesn't. You know. Yeah. But I guess it also means that we're not going to be all, all chasing the exact same pieces, which is also good for, I guess, the ecosystem. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. But, you know, find something cool. Find something you like. Find something different. Whether it's got historical significance or not. Whether somebody famous wore it or not. And make it your own. And I think given that we're somewhere around the hour and a half mark, I think we, we got to nip this thing eventually. So <laughs> this is a bit of a long one. We've been down some interesting roads. Yeah. Had a lot to talk about, but I, I kind of knew that going in, but you never know where it's going to land. But uh, yeah, uh, thanks for everybody for hanging out. Schmidt, as always, it's a pleasure. And uh, we'll catch everybody next week on Wrist Cheese Radio. Thanks, guys. Take care. Be good. Thank you.